Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. You're listening to the original radio show and podcast about food and wine, broadcast from Paris, France. On Paris Good Food and Wine, we delve into the topics of food, wine, and all their related subjects, talking with an array of people whose expertise both pepper and help ferment the food and wine scene in Paris, France, and the world at large. We're glad you can join us here for the delicious stories we bring you on Paris, good food, and wine. Please leave your comments, reviews, and suggestions. You can also contact us at our Twitter, at Paris Food Wine, or on our website, parisfoodandwine.net, or on my Instagram page, P-A-I-G-E, Food Wine. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and wherever you download your podcasts. Food that nourishes the soul. Happy Mother's Day and in honor of National Poetry Month. Welcome to episode 63 of Local Good Food and Wine. I recently learned a most extraordinary thing that I had not known this or learned this anywhere before is of great surprise and also concern. It's the following. Native American cultures refer to their basic sustenance crops as the three sisters. They are corn, beans, and squash. Together, the three sisters provide both sustainable soil fertility as well as a healthy diet. Perfection. Each of the three sisters contributes something to the other plants. Corn offers the beans necessary support. The beans pull nitrogen from the air and bring it to the soil for the benefit of all three. The large leaves of the sprawling squash protect the threesome by creating living mulch that shades the soil, keeping it cool and moist and preventing weeds. As the beans grow through the tangle of squash vines and wind their way up the corn stalks into the sunlight, they hold the other plants, the sisters, close together. The prickly squash leaves also keep away raccoons and other pests, which don't like to step on them. Have a look at our show notes to find the wonderful new PBS documentary series, Native America, for more history on the genetic evolution of corn and other seeds originally cultivated by Native Americans, such as potatoes and tomatoes, which to this day supply roughly 60% of the world's food crop source. So with Mother's Day in mind and the need for us as a species to nurture our soil, we have a great interview for you this episode with Oregon farmer Bob Wilt of the Sunset Valley Organic Farm in Corvallis, Oregon. He specializes in the best blueberries you've ever tasted, as well as the burgeoning superfood black raspberries from which they make their organic black raspberry powder. And to round out our Mother's Day show, we're honoring April's observance of National Poetry Month in the U.S., 
The French have a saying, sans la poésie, ça sera quoi la vie? Without poetry, what would life be? So, interspersed throughout my pre-recorded interview with Farmer Bob, you'll hear readings of some of my favorite food and wine-themed poems. Find more info about these poems, as well as Sunset Valley Organic Farms, and how to order your own black raspberry powder and fresh blueberries on our show notes at localfoodandwine.wordpress.com or localfood.wine and on Twitter at localfoodwine. Well, I want to start off by saying thank you so much, Bob Wilt, for joining in on the Local Food and Wine, uh, Local Good Food and Wine podcast today. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and you're, you're coming from um, Corvallis, Oregon, is that correct? That's correct. What kind of, Corvallis sounds like one of those beautiful, tucked away garden type of regions. Am I correct? Well, pretty much. Yeah, it's a lot of trees, a lot of green here. We get a lot of rain in the, in the spring. A lot of people like it for all the green we have. We got lots of Douglas fir trees in the, in the foothills. And compared to like Texas or someplace like that, it's very green. Nice, nice. Yeah, or, Oregon always seems to be, uh, you know, a green area. You, you've got good wine there, too. But we're not here to talk about wine today. We're here to talk about your blueberries and then also your black raspberry powder, right? Yes. Whatever you'd like to know. Be happy to answer your questions. Yeah, well, you know, Bob, that's really good of you. Thank, thank you so much for, for doing this. And, I, you know, I'm inspired by your own story, too. I, I did a little bit of reading up on your um, sun, Sunset Valley Organics Farm. And I just, I really love what you are doing with your soil. You seem to be a bit of a soil whisperer, <laughs> so to speak. Well, that, I, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll take that. I've been very focused on improving our soil, and indeed we have, and it's been by regenerative practices. And when you say regenerative practices, can you elaborate a little bit? Because there's so much attention now on soil, thank goodness. I mean, you you would know better than me. But what kind of regenerative practices? I know you do something with with worms, and you have a big tea compost. Um, so what, what's that about? That's really fascinating. Well, regenerative farming is when you focus on the soil biology and the carbon, uh, you try to build carbon in your soil and also something that is desperately needed across to all of our agricultural lands is remineralization and not just NPK, but all 79 minerals. Most people don't realize that plants and people need 79 minerals, not just a handful. Now, you don't need very much of all those 79, but we have evolved by consuming those minerals. And now that our soils are depleted, we're not getting all of those minerals, including our plants. And so therefore our plants are empty of nutrition Therefore, what we eat of the plants or our animals eat of the plants are, are also uh, empty of nutrition. 
So we could be eating healthily, but still not getting the right kinds of, of minerals and, and vitamins and the nutrients that we need? That's correct. Just because a piece of produce looks beautiful does not mean it's nutrient dense. And the way you, it's very simple for a consumer to figure this out is just take a bite of that produce, whether it's a carrot or an apple. If it doesn't have flavor, it doesn't have minerals. If it doesn't have minerals, it doesn't have nutrition. Oh, gotcha. Wow, that's a real easy, yeah, that's a real easy taste test. You don't have to go into a laboratory then I guess to try to. Well, you can be a lot more definitive if you use a lab test, of course, but just intuitively, if you pick up an apple, and, and I have done this many times, you pick up an apple, take a bite of it, and it's really tasteless. Well, there's not much in it either. Whereas you get an apple that goes, wow, I can really taste the flavor. That's all minerals that it's doing that. We've grown berries. Well, let's see. Let me give you an example, a couple examples. We used to have some red raspberries and blackberries. And with our fertility program of putting on minerals on the soil and uh, foliar feeding minerals, we would get the bricks. Do you know what bricks means, B-R-I-X? Well, um, I hear the winemakers talk about it, but can you just for, for yeah, well, refresh me, refresh. Okay, bricks is a measure of sugar, but it's also a measure of soluble solids in the, in the sap or the juice. Oh. As bricks goes up, your sugars go up and so does your mineral concentration. So for instance, a lot of times fresh market blueberries uh, in the grocery store will have a bricks of 10 or 11. And people are used to this. They don't know what good berries taste like. So they accept this and think this is just fine. Whereas our berries usually start at 16 and can go up to as high as 20. And in our red raspberries and blackberries a few years ago, we were hitting uh, in the blackberries, especially we were uh, national average on bricks for blackberries is around nine and we were hitting 19. And when you a blackberry, the flavor would just explode in your mouth. You'd just say, Oh my God, you never tasted a berry like that. And we were doing that consistently. Same thing with the red raspberries. We would have just a very strong red raspberry taste to it. And that's because of minerals and how we are treating our soil with biology and uh, getting our soils balanced for minerals, getting it remineralized. And then the plant picks this up and puts it into the berries or the fruit or the vegetable, whatever it is, then you have nutrient dense food. It sounds almost like magic that, that you're doing. And let's get a little bit to the, to your, there's a few things I want to, I want to dig into there, but so, so to speak, but um, let's talk about your, your blueberries a little bit more. So they're off the charts, you know, obviously not, I mean, not just by your own account and the scientific approach of talking about the bricks, but also by your consumers. I mean, you've gone now from sort of a, a farm stand to nationwide distribution of your berries. Is that correct? We have through the internet. Yes. That, that's exciting. How do you keep up with the harvest? Have you had to plant more or, or what's that look like? 
No, we've got we've got quite a few berries. We uh, blueberries right now we're harvesting about two hundred thousand pounds, and uh, wow. not all of that is going to value added. Uh, we've got room to expand yet uh, before we worry about that. That sounds like a lot of berries because I mean, actually, you know, I, yeah, I guess berries have just started to come into season. So I, I splurged and bought. Uh, a little basket the other day and I mean berries come in a hundred 150 grams uh what that's what like six ounces or something um right two hundred thousand pounds is a lot of berries <laughs> yes ma'am uh it is we uh a lot of our berries are uh, dried or dehydrated and we we have developed a very nice market for dehydrated blueberries and what sets us apart from everybody else is the fact that we've got our berries mineralized. They can uh, sit and get ripe and get a very high bricks. Whereas if you've got a low bricks berry, then heat, uh, if you have some hot days or something, the cells will collapse in that berry and you got shrivel. Well, with us, We've got lots of calcium in the berries and a lot of other minerals to where those cells in the berry do not collapse. And we can let them sit through very hot weather until they're ripe rather than just blue. A lot of people think when a, berry, a blueberry is blue, it's ripe. That's incorrect. When a berry turns blue, it's got about three weeks of ripening yet before it's truly ripe. But when you're fresh market, many times, uh, they will be picking uh, fresh market berries when they've turned blue for five days. And the berry has not filled up with nutrition yet. Therefore, it does not have high bricks. And you don't have the nutrition and, and everything that goes with it. And also, you won't have near the shelf life. And uh, where our berries are nutrient dense, we can let them hang on the bush longer. They are sweeter. They have lots of flavor. When we bring them in to uh, dehydrate them, we can dehydrate them down to where they've got still have moisture in them and still be stable, and then they're chewy like a raisin. Whereas a berry that is not nutrient dense, they will have to dry it down uh, to about half the moisture, and when they do, it's crunchy, and the dry down ratio is against who's doing this, and they can't make money out of it. So then what they do is instead of drying naturally, natural berries like we do, they will do what's called sugar infused. And a lot of berries are sugar infused. And what that means is the berry goes through a machine that will put a slit in the skin. And then the berry is poured into a tank of whether it's high fructose corn syrup or concentrated apple juice or whatever, however, whatever the sugar source is, and the sugar will migrate through the slit into the berry and displace the juice. And basically, you've got a blueberry skin with sugar. And uh, those, those uh, sugar-infused berries can be as much as 80% sugar. And that's all they are, is, is a blueberry skin and sugar. And that, that's not really what people are trying to eat dried blueberries for. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And I, you know, I did not know all that. Um, 
Whereas our berries are just dried, we don't put any oil or any uh, uh, sweetener on them. The berries have got enough sugar in them that when you eat them, they're plenty sweet, but yet they got flavor. And that's what a sugar-infused berry does not have because the sugar, well, they, they've um, displaced any juice that was in the berry, and that juice probably didn't have a lot of flavor in the first place. I see, I see. And now for a slight break in our programming for a poetry reading. Food that nourishes the soul in honor of National Poetry Month. I like on the table, when we're speaking, the light of a bottle of intelligent wine. Drink it and remember in every drop of gold, in every topaz glass, in every purple ladle that autumn labored to fill the vessel with wine. And in the ritual of his office, let the simple man remember to think of the soil and of his duty to propagate the canticle of the wine. Pablo Neruda, Ode to Wine. This is Just to Say by William Carlos Williams. William Carlos Williams was born the first of two sons of an English father and a Puerto Rican mother of French, Dutch, Spanish, and Jewish ancestry. He grew up in Rutherford, New Jersey. He was a medical doctor, poet, novelist, essayist, and playwright. Williams sees the real function of the imagination as breaking through the alienation of the near at hand and reviving its wonder. Here's the famous poem. This is just to say. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti Written in 1862 by poet Christina Rossetti, who was born in 1830, the youngest child in an extraordinarily gifted family. Goblin Market Morning and evening, maids heard the goblins cry. Come buy our orchard fruits, come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plump unpecked cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom-down-cheeked peaches, swart-headed mulberries, Wild, free-born cranberries, crabapples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries, all ripe together in summer weather. You're listening to Local Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. We're speaking today with Bob Wilt of Sunset Valley Organic Farm in Corvallis, Oregon. And you're talking about, when you're talking about the calcium, uh, are you referring then again back to the, the richness of your soil? Yes, uh, we put calcium on our soil. Uh, we do it almost annually. And we also foliar feed calcium at this time of the year. I didn't catch that. You what? You what feed? We, we foliar feed calcium at this time of the year. 
In fact, yesterday we put a foliar on our berries and it had a lot of calcium in it. Okay, well, that's in, that's interesting. All right, well, um, so no wonder you, you've got this national following for your, for your blueberries. Let's turn our, our attention for a, a moment to your, your black raspberry powder. Am I saying that correctly or is it, is it blackberry powder? No, black raspberry. Okay, so black raspberry. So I, I heard, um, I've heard several nutritionists now mention black raspberry powder and um, it's looking to me like this is going to be the next goji berry, <laughs> the next chia seed. And apparently uh, the aroma is just like out of this world. What, what, what more can you tell me about black raspberry powder and in particular yours? Well, again, we were certified organic, but we're using regenerative practices. So that means uh, we're using regenerative practices, but we're all of our inputs are certified organic. And by doing that, and again, just like I've outlined on the, the blueberries, we feed the soil and we feed and we foliar feed the plant to try to get as much nutrition into that berry as possible. And by doing that, I feel that we'll have um, higher numbers of uh, antioxidants, ORAC number, uh, minerals, all the things that we need for nutrition. Now, there's been studies on uh, black ras that they help prevent certain cancers. And we're trying to enhance our berries to be at the top of the list. Rather than just a black, bear, a black raspberry, we want ours to be the best black raspberry. The, <laughs> only, the only control I have over that is how I feed the plant. You're, you're a man in pursuit of perfection, aren't you? Well, we're, we're trying to do the best we can because I, I'm passionate about the fact that our food source in this country is very lacking. And I know that I'm just a small grower compared to the whole country, but at least I'm doing my share. And most growers do not have this focus, and I'm not criticizing them, but this is just kind of one way of giving back to our society is to make good food. Yeah, well, hallelujah to you and hallelujah to, to that. You know, I, I read a little, um, you know, a little biographical sketch of, of you that, that said something about, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, you were, you had some health concerns. I mean, we all do. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm aging, we're all aging, you know, you know, I've, I've switched to a, practically a, an entirely plant-based diet, not hundred percent, but, you know, I've had to switch my, my dietary regime as I've grown older, but what brought you to this? I mean, have you always been passionate or was there any kind of, um, Oh no. Uh, when I was young, I was a typical American. I ate anything you put in front of me, especially if it was bad for me. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with diabetes in uh, 1998, and it took me two or three years to kind of get my head around just how serious this is. And then uh, I had a doctor that was uh, prescribing medicine. Every time I went in, he was giving me another medicine. I was up to six different medicines at one time. Mm. I did some studies, studying on the medicines, and three of them were cancer-causing. And I said, well, we're not going to go down that road. And so then I um, 
I started uh, working with holistic doctors and uh, between working with them and understanding how plants work, uh, every disease in a plant is related to either a lack of a mineral or an imbalance of a mineral. That's what causes disease in plants. It's also what causes disease in you and I. Hmm. It's all about minerals and nutrition. And so I went down that road, both parallel uh, for my farm and for my health, changed my eating habits, try to be, I'm very selective about what I eat. Uh, it's usually uh, vegetables and uh, organic meat or wild meat, one or the other, try to stay away from feedlot meat. But also, uh, I treat my farm the way I like to treat myself, and it, uh, it makes a big difference. And I think that's one. I'm 71 now, and I'm on insulin once a day, but I'm doing pretty good compared. I've got friends that ha- uh, got uh, diabetes about the same time I did, and they've passed on. And oh. here, I'm still active, and I'm still working every day. I, I work six, six and a half days a week. And a lot, there's not a lot of people that do that at 71. No, there, there aren't. Well, especially it's not just work, it's outdoors work. And, and as gratifying as it is, I'm sure it's fairly, you know, laborious. So, wow, that's, a, that's a huge testimony. Yeah. That's, that's big. Now, do you eat a lot of your blueberries? <laughs> oh yeah. Here's here's a little uh, tidbit to think about. I went to a seminar about four years ago. It was a four-day seminar on plant health and human health. Hmm. And the very first hour of the seminar, they asked that we give a sample of hair. And the last day, the last hour of the seminar, they showed the results of those hair samples. And evidently, hair, uh, you analyze hair, and it will give you a good reading on your uh, mineral balance in your body. Hmm. Anyway, as it worked out, uh, I got my report back, personal, my name on it. But they also put the results up on a big screen with no name on a graph. And there was nobody in the room of 42 people. There was nobody in the room that was had 50% of their nutrition. I myself came in at about 36%. That is how bad our food source is in this country, how depleted it is. Boy, that's eye-opening. That's really eye-opening, especially because I, I imagine you you do live a very healthy lifestyle. So that just shows well, I do. you that, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. You and I both know that there's a lot of people in this country that live out of McDonald's. Hmm. And that is, well, that's one of the worst things you do. The food is empty. It's all carbohydrates and sugar. That's the worst things that you can do to yourself. And, but here's the other problem. You say, okay, I'm going to eat healthy. So you go to the grocery store and you look at the produce aisle and it's beautiful looking produce. If you analyze it, it's all empty. It's just beautiful looking cellulose. For instance, take a carrot. A a lot of carrots are, well, a lot of carrots here in our area are grown in the Bakersfield area in Southern California. And that is all sand. I've been there. I've looked at the fields. 
it, it, there, there isn't a lot of nutrition in that soil. So they're growing those carrots hydroponically and they grow beautiful carrots. You go to the store, they're long, they're, they're identical, they're straight, you know, they're orange, great. Now, take a carrot, close your eyes and take a bite of it. And many times you're not sure if you're eating the carrot or the cardboard it was shipped in. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I, that is actually nothing to laugh about. It's funny the way you no. said it. But. You're, 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 uh, I understand you're laughing at me because it's, I guess it sounds a little strange, but it's very realistic. And the same is true, whether it's apples, whether it's uh, other produce, a lot of produce doesn't have any flavor. And if it doesn't have flavor, it doesn't have minerals. And most growers, they do not understand the relationship between minerals and quality, real true quality and health. And by the way, they're not getting paid to. All they're getting paid for is by the pound. So they grow stuff as cheap as they can by the pound and down the road it goes. And the uh, we've tried to work with retailers. Retailers do not understand and do not care about nutrition. They All they care about is how much is this costing and what's my margin? Now, a game changer is going to be, the, there's being work done on it. I don't know how soon it'll happen, but there's been work done to devise a handheld tool that will shine onto a piece of fruit or a vegetable and give you a reading for nutrient density. When the housewife or the consumer can walk into a grocery store, shine that on a piece of fruit, shine it on another piece of fruit, and make the decision of which one is the healthiest for them, that's going to be a huge, huge game changer in what we're talking about. Yeah, that's true. I, I hadn't heard about that. That's news to me. That's really, well, talk about a technological advance. And, and, and please, I wasn't laughing at you. I was just laughing at the way you, you phrased it, you know, carrots or cardboard. It just seems so, it's so sad, you know. So, but uh, would, you, yeah. would you agree with me with that analogy? Oh, I would. I would. It, ab- absolutely. You know, I, I and I'm a big fan of, you know, of, of the ugly tomatoes, you know, the ugly tomatoes that taste so good. You know what I mean? Well, and some of that is genetics. And some of that is uh, somebody is, is starting to feed the, the tomato the way it should be fed. Yeah. 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 Um, what, back to carrots. The other night, my wife made me a supper. It was a, I don't remember, I think it was a piece of chicken and a salad. And on the salad, she put several vegetables. And one of the vegetables was the baby carrots, the little uh, little short stubby carrots that you get in a bag. Do you know what I'm talking of? I do. And you know, I took one without any salad dressing or anything. I took a bite of it. It was literally tasteless. Ah. I took another one. It too was tasteless. And I, I picked the carrots off of my plate. I threw them in the garbage right there, <laughs> right then, right there. Yeah. You're eating, you're eating junk. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. Just colored, colored roughage. And now another break in our programming for more poetry. Thank you for listening. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio.
In Defense of Our Overgrown Garden by Matea Harvey Last night the apple trees shook and gave each lettuce a heart. Six hard red apples broke through the greenhouse glass and landed in the middle of those ever-so-slightly green leaves that seem no mix of seeds and soil, but of pastels and light, and chalk X's mark are oaks that are supposed to be cut down. I've seen the neighbors frown when they look over the fence and see our espalier pear trees bowing out of shape. I did like that. They looked like candelabras against the wall, but what's the sense? In swooning, over pruning, I said as much to Mrs. Jones, and I swear. She threw her cane at me and walked off down the street without. It has always puzzled me that people coo over bonsai trees when you can squint your eyes and shrink anything without much of. A struggle ensued with some starlings and the strawberry nets. So after untangling the two, I took the nets off and watched birds with red beaks fly by all morning. At the window I reread your letter about how the castles you flew over made crenellated shadows on. The water in the rain barrel has overflowed and made a small swamp. I think the potatoes might turn out slightly damp. Don't worry. If there is no fog on the day you come home, I will build a bonfire. So the smoke will make the cedars look the way you like them. To close... I'm sorry there won't be any salad, and I love you. For all of us who know Maya Angelou, we may not actually readily know that she was once a fry cook. She grew up in Arkansas. The Health Food Diner by Maya Angelou No sprouted wheat and soya shoots, and Brussels in a cake. Carrot straw and spinach raw. Today I need a steak. Not thick brown rice and rice pilaw, or mushrooms creamed on toast. Turnips mashed and parsnips hashed. I'm dreaming of a roast. Health food folks around the world are thinned by anxious zeal. They look for help in seafood kelp. I count on breaded veal. No smoking signs, raw mustard greens, zucchini by the ton, uncooked kale and bodies frail are sure to make me run, to loins of pork and chicken thighs and standing ribs so prime, pork chops brown and fresh ground round, I crave them all the time, Irish stews and boiled corned beef and hot dogs by the scores, or any place that saves a space for smoking carnivores. You're listening to Local Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. We're speaking today with Bob Wilt of Sunset Valley Organic Farm in Corvallis, Oregon. It seems like you've put a lot of work and into your soil. And we haven't even talked about your big tea compost, which is a very interesting tidbit. I, I would hope you'd say a word or two about that. 
But how realistic is it for us to think in America that we can re- regenerate our soil? I, I mean, could, could we could we do it within a generation if we, you know, went all all in on it? Or is it absolutely, absolutely? Let me think how to answer you. Okay. In 2001, I come to the realization that conventional farming was not working and my blueberries were declining. I was getting shorter fruit wood with fewer fruit buds. And it was getting down to the point where we weren't getting a lot of crop and we were spending lots of money on fungicides, insecticides, and fertilizer. Well, that's, that's going the wrong direction. So I did some studying, uh, got acquainted with some people that are experts at that time. And it was called biological farming and proceeded to self-teach myself very rapidly because my farm depended on it. And I can say this, that I had every insect that was known to man in my berries because they were sick. I had diseases, and many of them. We were using multiple fungicides, multiple insecticides. We went to the biological slash regenerative approach, and within a year, our insects were just about gone. Hmm. And in two years, two to three years, I got to where we did not need any fungicides whatsoever uh, for uh, protecting the berries because my plants became more uh, healthy, more nutrient dense, and pretty soon those problems just start going away. Now, it's easy for me to tell you this. It's another thing to get it accomplished. We worked very hard on it, and we were very creative on, on some of the things we did. But there's other growers finding the same thing, that when they start backing off on nitrate nitrogen, they start getting more calcium into the soil, get more phosphorus in the soil that's available, get biology working to solubilize the minerals, all of a sudden, things just start happening all by themselves. Hmm. Well, that's inspiring. I mean, a turnaround in a year or two, that's, uh, that shows you how, how, how strong, how resilient uh, nature is that's incredible you know look I, I know you're in the middle of your day so I, I I won't I won't keep you much longer but I was hoping you would say a word or two about your your tea compost it just sounds so novel well uh at, in the beginning our soils were terrible for everything uh, a lack of everything biology carbon minerals everything and so we started out with compost tea and I got to where we were making about 100,000 gallons of compost tea a year. And it became just almost another job. And we got our, and we also uh, started making compost. And we, we put a, a load of compost on our soils in the beginning. And after about six, seven years, our soils have gotten healthy to where we don't need compost anymore. And uh, I use inoculums in place of compost tea because one, my soil is pretty well inoculated now and we don't put anything on to kill the microbes. So they're there. 
and we put inoculums on just to keep things revved up. Along with that, we put a lot of food, like fish, like uh, kelp, things like that. And that keeps your biology going. And so I've almost, believe it or not, I've outgrown the need for compost tea or compost because we've got a system now that's regenerating itself. And as far as carbon is concerned, we have, um, with our practices over the last 10 years, we've raised our organic matter in our soil from two and a quarter percent to 6%. Oh, wow. Done it. And we did it without compost or anything like that. It's all from exudates from the blueberries and the cover crop between the rows. In other words, we've changed, we've turned our blueberries, they're healthy now, they're not fighting disease and insects. The cover crop between the rows have become carbon pumps. They're pulling CO2 out of the air, they're making sugars and complex carbons, and they're making so much, the plant uses about two-thirds of their production, and about a third comes out as exudates as complex carbons. And that the fungi in the soil will digest that, turn it into humus and organic matter. And we have built our soils while growing a crop. Yeah, it almost sounds like you've built this beautiful, organic, formidable machine. <laughs> well, nutrient machine. You, you could call it that. I, you know, I, I would like to be a little more humble and just say that we've improved our soil. And, and I'm proud of that. It, it, it's a good accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, can other growers do it? Absolutely. But they've got to understand the value of carbon in their soil, the value of biology, and they've got to do. They got to make an investment of money and time and labor. And most growers do not want to do that. They're not getting paid to, or so they think. But here's the thing: once you get your soils up to the level I am all of a sudden great things happen. For instance, we've got an area that has been uh, treated regeneratively for 20 years. We decided to put some wheat in this year and we probably are gonna have some of the nicest wheat anybody's got. And it's because the soil is there to, to help this crop. Whereas if you go across the road to the neighbor's soil, they're gonna have about half the crop I have. And it's, they don't have the carbon, they don't have the biology, and they don't have the minerals. Yep, yep. So it's it's like it's like a, a a bit of a yeah, a bit of an investment, but you but you're seeing the return on your on your investment. Well, and then also your your blueberries. This is so inspiring, Bob. I, I hope that this ends up inspiring you know other growers and and farmers. You know, I'm sure you've got quite a following. Um, speaking of which. Where can, since you do have an online shop, where can um, listeners order your blueberries? What's your, what's your website? They, they, they can go to sunsetvalleyorganics.com, I believe. Perfect. Perfect. I will put that, that link will be in the show notes. I, I guarantee that. And I, I know that you well, did, did you find our website? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I did. No, with, without, with no problem at all. I think you're the only will. Uh, family farm in in Oregon and um and if people, I, I, huh? if people are interested I've got several YouTube videos 
that uh, talk about regenerative farming. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I will, I, you know, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, and that's usually, generally speaking, I've got a consulting business uh, to help people with regenerative farming. And that's usually how they find me is by finding those uh, videos. And then they, uh, they contact me either internet or walk in the door or a phone call. And I have found that that is the way that I need to make contact with customers rather than going to my neighbor and telling them, I think I could help you because they've got the perception that they're successful at what they're doing. And until they have the perception that they're failing, they're not going to change their ways. Sure. Now that's really, that's very wise, very wise. Um, well, um, good. That's good to know that you have that consulting business. Uh, and truth be told, I found you guys because I was looking for um, the black raspberry powder and you, you popped right up and, and I know you're back ordered too. So uh, anybody yes, we are. Yeah, anybody listening who wants them, you better get your order. We will have a new crop product early August. And uh, we will be harvesting in early July. It takes time to get it processed and dried and ground into powder. And we've uh, already made arrangements uh, with the, the people that make the powder for us. Uh, we're already in line to get material available as soon as possible great great yeah i do I, as you mentioned if that really those studies really do pan out about you know being you know cancer preventative uh looks to me like you know you've got the next goji berry on your hands well and then on top of that the the nature of the berry itself is what you say and then we're trying to take it to the next level by making it nutrient dense even even more than even more okay. yes well, here's the thing. Almost all produce isn't at its genetic potential because it isn't being fed what it needs to be fed. So maybe maybe you go to town and you buy an orange and you're getting half the genetic, genetic potential. Well, if we feed that orange or feed these berries, maybe we can get 80% of the genetic potential. Maybe we can get 90% of the genetic potential. I don't know. But I do know that if you don't feed it and it doesn't have nutrition, you're not going to hit that genetic potential. That, that's a given. That's really, yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, talk about superfoods, you know, like, I mean, that's really but, the buzzword. But in a sense, in a sense, relative to what we're eating, if you could get the plant, any plant that you're eating to its genetic potential relative to what you have today, everything would be a superfood. Yeah, I like that. Everything would be a superfood. Even, that, even that's, how bad, that's how bad our situation is. And, and most people do not. Uh, well, it's, everything is relative. And it's just like little kids. If they eat sour blueberries from the day that they start eating blueberries, then that's what they expect. They don't expect any better until they get to taste something that is really good. And I experienced this with apples, oh, 15 years ago. I had a chance, an opportunity to eat some nutrient-dense apples, and again, the flavor just exploded in your mouth, and now I know the difference, and there's times when we bring apples home, I'll throw them out. I, uh, another situation, I had a chance to eat organic nutrient-dense oranges at one time. They were juicy, 
They were sweet and flavorful. And you just, if you ate one, you wanted to eat three more. Whereas you go and get something out of the grocery store, I have not had a good orange since then. You seem to really, uh, you, you know, put put the point across. You you only know the difference once you've tasted something that really has its flavors intact. That's correct because everything's relative, and yeah. if no one's told you the difference, how are you to know the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even knowing is probably still kind of an intellectual exercise. You, you got to have tasted something. You got to have tasted that orange, tasted well, that you, apple. If you eat a, a nutrient dense orange or apple, you're just going to say, oh my God, what have I been eating all my life? Yeah. 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 Or what haven't I, what haven't I been eating all my life? Yeah. Yeah. When you think about the riches of this earth, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's shameful, but, you know, it just here. I, I like your ideas that you left us with here, Bob, the technology gadget, the scan, your nutrition level uh, of the fruit in your grocery store. And then also this growing for superfoods, you know, not even not genetically modified, but just just putting enough nutrition in. The and now another break in our programming for more poetry. Cooking Poem, How I Shall Dine, by Jonathan Swift. Gently blow and stir the fire, lay the mutton down to roast. Dress it nicely, I desire, in the dripping put a toast. That I hunger may remove, mutton is the meat I love. On the dresser see it lie, oh, the charming white and red. Finer meat never met my eye. On the sweetest grass it fed. Let the jack go swiftly round. Let me have it nicely browned. On the table spread the cloth. Let the knives be sharp and clean. Pickles get and salad both. Let them each be fresh and green. With small beer, good ale, and wine. Oh, ye gods, how I shall dine. Waste Not Wine by Annalise Z. Are you the vine? Are you the branches? The brick or the pucker? The pruned or the plucked? Must we be mashed to make good on what we might become? For more of our poem selections, please see our show notes at localfood.wine. They include Blackberry Picking by Seamus Heaney, Wallace Stevens, The Emperor of Ice Cream, and, of course, the kids' favorite, Chocolate Cake by Michael Rosen. You're listening to Local Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. We're speaking today with Bob Wilt of Sunset Valley Organic Farm in Corvallis, Oregon. Well, and here's the sad thing. Some of these uh, GMO crops are going backwards and they, they do not hold, will not hold the nutrition that some of our older varieties will. Hmm. I am totally, totally against GMO for all reasons, even for a, a, a conventional grower. 
uh, it's a step backwards. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. I think a lot of people are waking up to that. So it's good to hear that someone- Well, and think about this. Uh, your body does not recognize GMO food huh. and, and it will create inflammation. You'll have inflammation, if you eat enough of it, uh, your organs in, in your, inside you will all be inflamed. And that encourages sickness. And that's what we got going on because if you get any, almost any conventional type corn product, it's made with GMO uh, corn. That, that, that's all they do now. And, uh, you know, like, uh, for instance, uh, if you're eating regular corn chips, for instance, no, that's made out of GMO corn. And you look at anything that's got corn in it or even uh, uh, high fructose corn syrup that's almost in everything, if it isn't organic, is come from a GMO source. Yeah, yeah, good point. There's so, there's so much that we need to be uh, aware of. Yeah, and, and inflammation, everything. So much I read um, says that inflammation is really at the core of, as you were saying, so many diseases. So, it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a, a, a silent, a hidden hunger, you might say, or something like that, where it just, it isn't like you look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, I'm inflamed. No, and you can't even feel it. It's just that your body is not got the, uh, the right nutrition. And when it does, uh, especially from GMO products, there's inflammation and that, that opens the door for sickness. Yeah. It's just well, a well, what, yeah, you know, I'm sure you. What, what have you got on your agenda today? Are you are you guys out picking, or are you still cultivating, or what are your berries doing today? Our berries today, uh, we're irrigating. Um, that's about all we're doing on the berries today. We're doing some other farm chores. Uh, here in a couple of days, we're going to uh, adjust the trellising uh, so that the berries will lean the way we want for harvest. In other words, as your berries get heavier and heavier, the, the limbs lean and without trellising, our limbs will go clear of the ground and then we'll lose a lot of berries trying to pick them up to get them into the harvester. Yeah. So we've got to adjust the trellising to where the limbs are not uh, straight up and not laying on the ground. They need to be halfway. And um, that's just a, a job we got to do is adjust the trellis. That. We'll start that here in a day or so. Interesting, interesting. It sounds so uh, bucolic, you know. <laughs> Bob, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to speak to local good food and wine today, and yeah, you know, being being kind enough to jump on a on on this, these these crazy Zoom recordings. <laughs> I appreciate it very much, and for well, sharing all your knowledge. You're welcome. And people can go to sunsetvalleyorganics.com. And if they're interested in, uh, if you've got some farmers that are listening, uh, my uh, consulting company is uh, westernaglands at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Great. I'm sure there's a lot of people who will want to learn from you. Yeah. Uh, and get those kinds of results too. My, my uh, business model is to, to, I work with farmers with, with fairly large acreage. Uh, I'm really not focused on gardens. Uh, it's, it's just too small and uh, it, it just doesn't fit our business model. Gotcha. Okay, good. That's, thanks for the clarification. That, that's good. Yeah, farm, farms.
farms and, and larger, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but uh, I've only got so much time in the day and I've, I've got to choose my battles. Well, that's not arrogant at all. That, that, that's a business person. You've got a, you've got a lot of, uh, you've got 200,000 pounds of blueberries to cultivate. That's a big job. Well, we'll have 200,000 pounds of blueberries and we'll probably have between two and 250,000 pounds of black raspberry this year. Ooh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, I've got my order in for that, that black raspberry powder already. So (laughs) (laughs) good for you. All right. Well, thank, thank you again. Thank you so very much. This has been a real pleasure and, and very enlightening for me. I've learned a lot from you. Okay. Well, you're sure welcome. Okay. You have a good day. And you too. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Paris, Good Food and Wine. I want to say a big thank you, a calm merci beaucoup to everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And that includes you too, our listeners. We greatly appreciate that you listen to us. We really do. So leave your comments, suggestions, and reviews on our website at parisfoodandwine.net. You can find our show notes at Local Food and Wine. That's localfood.wine. Also localfoodandwine.wordpress.com. On Twitter, you can find us at Local Food Wine and at Paris Food Wine. So from your host and producer, me, Paige Donner, I want to wish you a bonne degustation and a tout à tous à votre santé from Paris, good food and wine. <laughs>